This is the greatest league in the world. Hello there and welcome to Greatest League in the World, the official weekly podcast of the SSE Airtricity League. Con Murphy here, joined by co-host Conan Byrne for the last greatest league in the world for this season, our second season. Yeah. It's flown by, isn't it? Oh, it's gone so quickly, hasn't it? God, it only seems like yesterday that we were coming in here in t-shirts and shorts and <laughs> now, we're, now it's freezing outside exactly yeah. um, but we've a lot to talk about because obviously there's the events of last weekend at the Aviva there's the league season to reflect on in both the uh, Premier and the uh, First Divisions uh, the first match last uh, Friday night of the United Union Champions Cup the PFAI awards last night we'll be getting uh, Conan's thoughts on that and uh, I'll throw in my tuppence worth as well um, the highs been plenty of them this season the lows there's been some of them um, the players who've shone the players who maybe didn't quite shine as yeah. brightly we've, yeah. we've a lot to talk about we so listen yeah. when we get into it and um, maybe the best place to start is down the road at the Aviva Stadium the Extra.ie FAI Cup and the So Hotels Women's Final before we talk about the uh, Dundalk Rovers match the Women's Final I know you were there early I was there early as well what a gorgeous day it was day. weren't we blessed because the day before it peed rain and the day after it lashed rain yes, as well it did, yeah. so um, the gods were shining on us um, for the cup finals and the women's final turned out to be an absolute cracker Wexford Youth's winning 3-2 and I, I mean my one regret in a way is that there weren't more people in early enough to see that game I mean I know there was both teams had you know yeah. a fair bit of support on the far side but in terms of the quality of the game it was a really good one yeah you said the gods were shining there and they were certainly shining on Wexford Youth's again this season they Tom Elms is doing a fantastic job. He's won, I know, domestically in, in terms of the league campaign. It wasn't, I know Kylie Murphy said post or pre-match that she was disappointed with the campaign that, yeah. that they had this season. But I suppose at the end of it, there's a, 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 a trophy and, and lifting the, the the FAI Women's Cup is mm. is a huge, huge achievement. Second su- successive year as well. And I really thought the occasion and the game was, was very, very good. And as you say, I'm disappointed maybe that more people didn't come in to see it. I know that there was a g- big gap though between the yeah. women's final and the men's final in case um, it went to extra time. But it was just, Wexford were never behind on the day. They were in control from, I felt, from, from, the, start of the, from the start of the game. And... I know the, I know we talked about the, the, the likes of Kylie Murphy, um, Rihanna Jarrett, but I thought Lauren Dwyer at the heart of the defence, Con, I thought she was magnificent. And I remember interviewing her last year after the cup final and I said it the same thing. And um, surely she must be on Vera Powell's, um radar yeah, of getting yeah. international recognition. And um, But she was excellent. Um, and the goal to win the game as well, Con. Uh, Kylie Murphy's, the, the pass, the, the move and the composed finish as well. It was... Really, really it was remarkable. as good a goal as you'll see, almost, isn't it? You know, in terms of a team goal and the yeah, build-up. I thought it was excellent, yeah. and like just a couple of uh, other players that were very, very good on the day. Kira Rossler, I thought, was very, very. She's such a clever girl, a clever player, and I remember um, at one stage of the game, just pl- like player coming her mm. because she just seemed to be in the right place at the right time, and just her her football brain was it, it was excellent. Um, and then McKenna Davison, we, we we talked about last week, and she came off the bench and um, thought she was very very good when so she Hawaii came on. Hawaii well. had their moment in the song. They did, they did indeed, <laughs> and they got their. The, uh, she's got her a, a medal wrapped around her neck. Did I read something that she might have to uh, go 
um, uh, there's some yeah there is visa, visa issue issues yeah, there is visa yeah. issues with oh, her it'll be yeah. a, a real loss for, for Wexford Youth oh it'll be a huge loss yeah. because yeah. as I said she's had a very very good campaign particularly in, in Europe I yeah. thought she was very very good and um, yeah she, she'd be a loss to, to Wexford and a bit of a sickener for P-Mount when you consider that they only lost one match in the league all season and then they go and lose on, on the big day in front of the, uh, the, the the live TV cameras and stuff and you know the exposure that the game got I think will help um, just in terms of you know the fact that it was shown live on, on RTE and people could see um, the quality of some of them I mean you mentioned Rihanna Jarrett I, I was sitting up quite close actually to a scout from Brighton's women's team because I could see him making his notes and I know I've mentioned before that I thought uh, Rihanna Jarrett could play at a, at a higher level. And again, she showed her movement or the, you know, that time she hit the post, nearly cracked the post in two. I mean, she's got, I think she's got what it takes. Yeah, she does. Like, the only thing that I would say is that maybe composure in front of goal, she might have lacked a little bit last yeah, Sunday. Yeah. I she had a couple of chances where she could have maybe hit, hit the target. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, possibly score but yeah from P-Mail's point of view they'd be very disappointed like they've played Wexford three times in the league defeated them three times in the one mm. game where you'd expect them probably to go on and win a double they weren't able to do that but look full credit to Wexford youths they were magnificent on the day and from and each and every player was, was mm. fantastic Well we were talking about the crowd for the uh, women's final as the uh, kickoff time approached for the men's final the crowd came in over 33,000 um, Were you happy with that attendance? Yeah. I was hoping for slightly more uh, given the day that was in it and I thought there might have been a bit more of a walk up having said that I mean 33,000 is a healthy crowd I mean you were you were saying earlier on that uh, is it what the Yeah look I was the re- I was a bit disappointed because I remember saying here we should hit the 40,000 mark mm. and I, I got, went home after the cup final saying a bit despondent I suppose by the crowd um, that turned up on a, on a great day involving Probably one of the most supported club in the country in in Shamrock Rovers, and that can be. There are people fought. who debate with <laughs> yeah. you on that one, I'm, I'm uh, and Dundalk, who were the best yeah. team in the country. Um, so I thought there would have been, uh, as you say, a lot more walk-ups and neutrals coming in to see what our league is like. So I went home and decided to have a look at previous cup final attendances, and I know the Aviva Stadium um, is only new, but. They've played in Lansdowne Road for a while, and Daly Mount Park was able to host yeah. um, a lot, a lot of numbers as well. And it, it, I think it's 1967 or 1968. I went as far back as, and it's the third highest attendance since that. Um, and realistically, it's probably it's in the top six or seven mm. ever. Yeah. Um, I so mean, that's, that's the third highest in 50 years when you take it. Uh, and and also, you know, ticket prices went up a little bit this year. In fact, I mean, the premier level, which was sold out, the tickets were 30 euros as opposed to the 10 euros it had been. So, um, but do we do we take it as if that's our numbers? That's who's interested in our league. How would you see that number? It's like 33,000. No, I wouldn't take that because, I mean, I, I saw on Twitter, for example, a lot of people in Cork talking about not going to the cup final this year, the first time they hadn't done so in a few years. And I can kind of understand when a match is live on TV and you're a neutral, would you travel from... I mean, some, obviously oh, no. some people yeah, will obviously. or some people will come down from Donegal or whatever. But no, I, I, I don't think that's the that's the figure of people who are interested in the league. I think it's way higher than that. No, in, in the sense that obviously Cork, um, Galway, Sligo, Finn Harps, they're not going to travel in, in large supports. But I'm talking about when it two teams get to a cup final should we be looking at 
over 30, just over 30,000 people to, to come into our ground. I'd like to see over 30,000 for every cup final. Yeah, well, that's... I, that, I think that should be the, the target. And so it's, it, my point is that it's, um, are we, as a, like, I'm not talking about you I'm not, or me, or I'm talking about the league, I'm talking about the fans. Are we happy with a figure of just, of over 30,000, just maybe 33, are, should we be happy with 33,000? I think we should, being to, like, I'm being totally honest, looking mm. back on previous years and... Um, the the attendances now they are going up across the board. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, well, I, as a as a base to to build on. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, I think the target should be to fill the ground. And that's fifty thousand. That's you know, I mean, even the Ireland team when they play struggle to fill it. Yeah, you know, all the time. Uh, that's why I think that the, that it's a it's a healthy. It's, I think it's a healthy. A healthy crowd. Oh, that was a healthy crowd, and I mean, God Almighty, the atmosphere in the stadium oh, created was, by the thirty three. Yeah, it was, was unbelievable, fantastic. I mean, for those of you, for anybody who's listening, and I know there are a lot of people who have a kind of a peripheral interest in the league. They read the reports in the papers. They listen to the odd podcast. They watch the highlights on RTE or whatever it might be. Watch the odd live game on Air Sport, wherever it might be. Um. I think there's a lot of people like that who, I mean, I've got into taxis, who've got talking to people about football and they don't go to matches, but they are interested. In the, I think that the the fight or the battle is to try and get those people to start going to games again. Really, like, geez, that, that, was, that was bloody good. The quality of the football was good. The atmosphere was good. And it kind of behoves the clubs to create the environment where the atmosphere is good. Because I've been to matches where, you know, there's a small crowd and it's just not, it's not an okay, and not every game is going to be an occasion like the cup final, but just to try and ramp up the, I mean it's it's the American hard sell the razzmatazz element you know I mean the Americans they don't do everything well I mean if you've tried American coffee you'll know what I'm talking about but um, they do sell things very well yeah. you know sporting occasions they manage to ramp up the razzmatazz we've a lot an awful lot of, and even if you look at college games with 5,000 people going to I know they get crowds bigger than that for a lot of college games but for smaller college games and stuff, they just create an atmosphere and it's something that we're not great at yeah. here and that's something we need to, I mean Cup Final that's, Day yeah, is I, an example of what can be done exactly. and I think there's even more that could be done Like I've talked about before about the match day experience and it's not all about what goes on on the pitch it's nearly what goes on off the pitch yeah. that will bring people back into a ground and I think um, a lot more clubs need to be need to be looking at that model more so than what's going on on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that comes down to finance as well in terms of the basic facilities that we've spoken about on this podcast before. Things like, you know, women's toilets, men's toilets, you know, the, the basic stuff that in 2019 the customer expects. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can't take fans for granted. Um, but a lot of the time that costs money and, you know, uh, I think it is important that money is invested in the domestic game both from the association from from government and so on and um, I think we could have a very bright future I mean certainly from Shamrock Rovers point of view on the day the excitement the uh, emotion that that you could see at the end of the game it was it was a it was a great day and I think even talking to one or two people from Dundalk obviously they wanted Dundalk to win but they didn't begrudge Rovers after 32 years, you know, that's a it's a long time to wait. And um, I mean, the manner, you know, yeah, with Duffy with the last minute go. We did actually, we spoke about it on the podcast last week saying Dundalk so often this season after the 90th minute have managed to score goals. And um, 
We've even seen it in the uh, in the FAI Cup now, and and that's a great credit to them. It is and their their mentality. Absolutely, and I suppose before we go on talking about about Shamrock Rovers and, and like Michael Duffy scored an 89 minute goal against Sligo in the semi final, and he'd done the same in the final to put it into extra time, and I really thought then that that was curtains for Shamrock yeah, Rovers. So How I. do you come back from that? Yeah. Um, literally going from elation to absolute despair. I was. It was funny. I was 89 minute. I watch it from a from a level, so I'm running down about on the 90th minute mark to get the interviews at the side of the pitch afterwards so 90th minute comes down I'm down the, down and literally in between Vinnie Perth and Stephen Bradley mm. and waiting for the, the final whistle to go and it was a surreal experience for me because um, literally they're like pointing to their watch and blow it up blow yeah. it up and yeah. the other team is and Vinnie's there asking the line line um, the referee's assistant, how long is left? And the referee's assistant, ah, it's not long now. And the ball comes into the box. And it was just like, I, I can't even explain. Look, I'm, I'm finding it hard to, mm. to comprehend and, and to use words to, to explain the, the the emotions that were going around that both touchlines afterwards. And um, that made me have to walk back up to where my elevated position <laughs> to watch the next 30 minutes. But I was, being totally honest, I was delighted because it was, it was such a great... <clears throat> Day, yeah. Um, for and not because I didn't want Rovers to win. It was the fact that it's just got n- another thirty minutes yeah, of, of yeah. cup if final experience. Fans and, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> of course, you, and you wanted to go to penalties. You, yeah. you want, even though it's 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 a lottery and it's it's heartbreaking for one team. But um, in terms of Shamrock Rovers and in Con, your story last week touched a lot of people. Um, I was talking to a number of people on, on the Sunday that had listened to your to your story that you mentioned the one about, about the scarf, the one about your scarf, and um, I have to say now, when Gary O'Neill rolled that penalty in, you're the first person that came right. into my mind. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. I just want to say massive congratulations yeah. as a Shamrock Rovers fan. I know how much it meant to you. I did, and, and actually, family. I'll tell you a funny story about the scarf because in the end, for anybody who do, who hadn't heard this last week, uh, it, it was my brother's scarf who died uh, in 1974 and it, 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 the scarf had been in a drawer it was never brought to any other games and this was the first time that, that it was at a match uh, since 1974 so my sister was wearing it and she was in the row behind me so when Rovers got the penalty the first penalty in, in, in regulation time uh, she kind of dangled the scarf she was in the row behind me so she dangled the scarf over my shoulder and kind of got me to kind of touch the scarf as Aaron McNeff was going up to take the uh, penalty kick but what happened was there, there are these kind of tassels on the end of the scarf so as she fired it over my shoulder, the tassels went into my eye. <laughs> so I, my eye instantly started streaming water. <laughs> so Lorraine, who's beside me, thinks I'm crying because Rovers have got a penalty in the last minute of the cup final. Um, but it was actually the tassels going into my... But then actually there were genuine tears coming down after that. Um, and the uh, same thing uh, going into extra time. Uh, the, the scarf was dangled over my shoulder again going into the penalty shootout and and it was just it was one of those uh, one of those moments and I just you know the elation that not only I but 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 all those Shamrock Rovers fans who've never seen the team win a cup you know I mean 32 years so there are people who are 36, 37, 38 years of age who wouldn't really remember yeah. uh, winning the cup in 87 so there's a generation maybe two generations of fans who've never seen them win this cup and they're the, you know the so-called cup specialists and the uh, emotion that that came out at the end of the game was I thought again it just reminded me of how special sport can be 
in terms of bringing people together. Even that march from Rings End. I don't, did you see the yeah, footage of them yeah, coming up footage, behind yeah. the, the White Horse? And I thought, that's a, look at the people in that march. There's people who are 70. There are people who are 50. There are people who are 30. There are 10 year olds all coming together in one union, if you like. And I just thought, what a special thing. And I know I'm getting a bit philosophical here, maybe. But I think that does remind you of what sport can do, you know, to a community. I mean, how good has that been for, say, Dundalk over the last few years in terms of giving them, I mean, financially, the country has been in the toilet for a while. And yet a, a town that's, you know, struggled financially gets a huge lift by the, I remember Stephen Kenny talking to me about this and saying, when he'd walk down the streets in Dundalk and you'd see the black and white flags flying out of the pubs and kids going around in tracksuit tops and sweatshirts with Dundalk on it instead of Liverpool and Manchester yeah. United. The pride that that made him feel. And can you imagine what the Shamrock Rovers players felt, you know, watching the video of all those people marching up from Ring's End and the celebrations at the end of the game. And actually, I, I believe, I'm told, uh, one of those players is actually on the line now, Greg Bulger, who scored in the penalty shootout. And what a brilliant uh, penalty it was. the first time well. for Everton College, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, he's been dynamite this season. Greg, thanks a million for joining us on the line Um on uh, Greatest League in the World. Really appreciate you taking the uh, call. I'd say you've had a... Pretty hectic week. Yeah, how you guys? How you doing? Um, yeah, it was it was it was a great great few days. Um, I think a few of us finished up on the Wednesday, and a few of us took a break. And obviously, bringing the cup around to different schools and parts of parts of Dublin was um, was great. And um, I'm not going to lie, I had a few last night now, and I'm a bit flowery. But um, <laughs> it was um, it was a great few days celebration. Yeah, and um, when we kind of have to enjoy, you know, these moments don't come around very often. They certainly don't, Greg. And I remember speaking to you after the after the cup final on the pitch. And how did what emotions did you have when Gary O'Neill rolled that penalty into the corner? Um, I don't know. It was weird one corner. I think for me, I don't know, maybe because it's the most recent for me, especially just personally. I was, I was, I was just so happy for it, all the lads, all the players, obviously the fans and the club going so long without. Uh, seen their club lift, lift the trophy but I was just going around and looking at the likes of Lee Grace Pico been in the league nine years all the good lot of that team there a few probably haven't won that and won a major trophy and just to, for them to get that feeling because it's hard to explain and you know yourself um, just to see them and enjoying joy in their face for me was probably personally the biggest biggest thing that I took from the day and I was just so happy obviously for myself from a selfish point of view I was so happy for myself but more so for for the lads, you know, the works. I've seen work so hard. We've worked so hard all year, and um, probably came short in the league. But just to see the emotion and the, that feeling that you probably can't really explain through through the lads' faces and all the work they've put in all all during the year was just for me it was probably the most satisfying satisfying thing. And obviously then the club, the fans, you know, the biggest club in the country, and having gone so long and not winning anything. Um, was 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 special, you know, and um, obviously over the few days after it was finished and people coming up thanking you and all that's 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 what it's, that's what it's all about, you know. Absolutely, it's actually your fourth FAI Cup winners medal, Greg, and they're your third with three different clubs. You join a unique list of players that have done that. Just in terms of, obviously, you didn't play, uh, didn't start the game, Greg. Was that a disappointing aspect to the day? 
Um, yeah, no, look, I knew yesterday, well, I kind of had a feeling, like, during the week that I mind was in and out of shape and stuff like that. But, um, and, you know, me calling, I'm mad to play every game and um, I was a bit disappointed and stuff. But, look, I needed to get over that quick enough. It wasn't about me, it was about the club, about the team. And um, I had to get over quick and just be look, be ready. And I kind of felt that I, I would be coming out at some stage, probably not as late as I thought I would. And just just be ready for it, you know. Um, we're going to need everyone. It's a cup final. Like, like there's lads, I've seen enough cup finals where lads come out on make impacts and they might only play a few minutes and have a big effect on the game. So that was kind of going through my head that, look, yeah, I'm disappointed. feel probably should be starting, but I'm not. So look, I need to get over it and then uh, just be ready to come on and uh, have an impact. And look, look, I came on, did okay. I know I came out two minutes, two minutes ago and they, and they scored. I was like, Jesus, but um, obviously I had to get my head around extra time then and just try and put in the best forms I could and then if a penalty's come around, just close your eyes and hope for the best. <laughs> but um, no, um, I was just, look, I just kind of got over quick and um, got on with it, yeah. I heard Joey O'Brien saying something very interesting after uh, Aaron McAniff scored his penalty. Joey was raging with him because McAniff ran back down to the rover side of the pitch to celebrate with his family yeah. and friends and stuff like that. And Joey, the experienced head on him, was saying, celebrate down the far end. We're in the last minute of the game. Kill as much time. And it was just a little, again, just a glimpse of the professionalism that Joey brings. But even in a moment like that, he was thinking along those lines. Yeah. That wasn't yeah, a question, really, Greg, was it? <laughs> 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 yeah, no, that's it as well, you know. And, but um, I suppose if Aaron thinking when he scored his penalty, most of his family are sitting where where, uh, where he ran to. So I think that was his thinking. And I think maybe Joey and a few lads were just probably too tired to run after him. That's the thing they want to run after him. But, um, yeah, no, it was like the best experience that with Joey was. Um, when it came to the penalty shootout then, um, you obviously put your hand up and you were happy to, to take one. But I, I mean, watching it, I just, I my legs were like uh, jelly, you know. I mean, when you're walking up to take that kick and you've all the fans in the background, I mean, are you? how do you keep it all together? Um, I'm not going to lie, I was nervous. I was nervous, I was nervous, right? <laughs> um, I was because I've, like, I took a penalty before in the cuff on McCork against Gary, Oran- Gary Rogers and I was, I went the same side and I kind of knew he knew where I was going and you've seen in my penalty he went early because obviously last time I went I went that way and he dove the other way so I kind of knew going up that he knows where I'm going here but look if I just was concentrating on it just strike it well don't matter if he knows if I hit it well enough he's not stopped <laughs> and thankfully uh, I hit it well enough and, and, and I scored but I was Keeping it all together, I know I was nervous. I was just looking at everyone else's penalties before me, and Jack, it was Jackson, Joey's, and I was just like, just please score, please score. So, less kind of pressure on me. But um, thankfully, I kept it all together and, and struck, struck, struck a nice, uh, nice ball and went in. You've been to, um, well, you've been around a lot of dressing rooms, Greg, over your career. How would you sum up the the, the mood in and the camaraderie, I suppose, in the in the Rovers camp? Um, it, right up there going for me and um, that's why I said it earlier just they're talking about seeing lads winning stuff and lads not like not winning haven't been having won a major trophy and just to see the, the the emotion on lads faces and I suppose that's down to because we're a close close knit group you know and um, lads are wanting to learn wanting to win and and it's there's, there's a lot of that in the group there's not many that are not like that and it's just it's great to see so I think we made it a lot sweeter when we win something 
because it means more, you know, because you're kind of winning with your friends and we're good, like we're close, it's a close group off the pitch as well as in the dressing room within the club. So um, it's a big, it's a big thing for me, and it's like you need that that kind of camaraderie to to, to achieve things. So um, it's it's been right up there, yeah. I think it's right up there as a group that I've been involved in. And as a group, Greg, uh, sorry to, to cut across you there, but I was just wondering, um, given the sort of pressure that Stephen Bradley was under from s- some sections of the fans anyway last season, was there a slight element of doing this for him and for the rest of the management team? Yeah, well, look, you look at it. Stephen's probably third year now. Like, this this group of players is his group, you know. He, he's, it took him a while to get, get the team he wanted in, the squad he wanted in. So, like, most of the players, I think, bar one or two, maybe Ronald and Pico, are all signed from him, you know. So, there's a, obviously, there's a, there's a factor there in it that you want to do well for Stephen as well, because he's the one that brought it to this great club, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, he's probably under a bit of pressure last year and stuff, different times, but look at him now, he's, he's brought, brought the club back to where it belongs, like, you know, winning the trophy. And um, we're just looking to kick on next year again, you know. And do you have a holiday between now and next season? Um. A holiday. I have a few weeks. I have a few weeks. Few weeks. Uh, winding down already. Um, going nowhere mad. I think I just go stay in Ireland and go to a few different places from Anna and down to Kerry. That's about it. That's me. all right. Uh, Fault to Ireland will be delighted with you anyway. Fair play. And, <laughs> and listen, uh, you're very good to take the call after being on the lash last night. We really uh, do appreciate it, Greg. Yeah, no, no problem. So, Conan, before we uh, get into a review then of the uh, Premier and First Divisions, uh, a quick word about the United Union Champions Cup at Windsor Park the other night. Well, the first leg uh, on Friday night, the second leg to come at Oriel Park tomorrow night. Linfield won, Dundalk uh, won. Linfield took a, an early lead through Shane Lavery, who's in the Northern Ireland squad, just 20 years of age. How good is he? Because I've heard so many people talking about this, this kid. He took his goal brilliantly after eight minutes two-footed right and left uh, finished with the left um, he looks very sharp he's not the biggest guy mm. but uh, he knows how to finish his goal scoring uh, rate is incredible and speaking to Roy Carroll who was on co-commentary with me who used to he was with Linfield until last se- last season uh, he thinks they're going to have a real struggle to hang on to him you know because he's already in uh, my, he's two international caps already and he's in the squad now for the games against Denmark or against uh, Netherlands and Germany um, I think it's only a matter of time before he gets a move uh, he'd be perfect for Shamrock Rovers by the way <laughs> <laughs> uh, just saying that just saying that um, but um, he looks very good yeah he does look very good and um, good equaliser from uh, Daniel Kelly for Dundalk so it's it's well set up for the second leg I mean 2,819 people yeah. was the crowd um, at Windsor Park the other night and um, it was uh, Vinnie Perth was interesting actually beforehand because he was saying don't judge a prospective All-Ireland League on this game tonight um, it's a new competition the, you know there were issues about it was freezing cold I've jeez I can't remember being as cold at a match for a long time um, it's I think it has potential you know I, I'd love it to to become a something that you know this gets 10,000 this United Union yeah, Championship yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. It's, it's I mean it's for the clubs I mean 50,000 for the winners 25,000 for the runners up and 25,000 for 
community projects in the two areas and as that, well. Yeah, and that's why I'm surprised by David Healy's comments before the game saying that he um, he could do without a game well, like this. Well, to be honest with you, <laughs> I can see both sides of that coin because they're now, because of their European involvement earlier on in the season, Linfield are now three games behind everybody else in the league. So they're playing catch-up and they're going to have a, a backlog of fixtures at some point. So I can see that the point he's making. Um, having I think, I think, said that, yeah, go on, sorry. when I spoke to him before the game in the tunnel, um, he was very excited. I asked him, you know, as a, in terms of this as a concept, are you behind it? Do you support it? Do you like it? And he was absolutely 100%. So, which didn't quite tally with what he had said in the papers in the yeah. build-up to the game. Whether he was just being nice on the night because... We, the TV cameras were there I don't know or but, he got a slap in the wrist uh, well maybe but the other thing is I mean in a normal season they wouldn't necessarily have had to miss games earlier on in the campaign because of European involvement if they got knocked out a bit earlier or whatever it might be so they might only be one game behind rather than three um, and £50,000 is a lot for them that's what I mean well, I mean it's a lot for any team yeah that's, um, what I, that's, that's the point what I was going to say when I was trying to interrupt you so you know, the the board of Linfield will be very... I mean, even if they lose on Monday night, they're still going to get 25 grand plus, um, you know, another 12 will go toward... I know the, the Northern Ireland Hospice uh, were presented with a cheque for 5,000 on the pitch at half time and stuff. So there's... Um, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, from the sponsor's point of view, I'm sure they'd like to see um, bigger crowds at the game. I mean, what a... By the way, I haven't been at Windsor Park since Shamrock Rovers played up there in the 80s. What a magnificent venue for a match. 18,000 capacity. I mean, in, in a way, it's a bit too big for Linfield at the moment. Um, but that's what it's... Oh, yeah. The Dundalk players at the PFEI Awards. Were they talking about They it? were all talking about how good it was and how, oh. how great it was to play at a stadium like that. And I suppose how, how good it would be to play in a sta- stadiums like that yeah, every week. Yeah, yeah. John Gill was saying to me beforehand that a couple of the lads, when they were kind of walking around on the pitch, were saying this is like a European game. You know, mm. going to a... You know, beautiful all-seater, 18,000 stadium. Uh, and I have to say, I know there was some stuff in the papers about fans cheering, you know, chanting songs about the IRA and the Linfield fa- fans having a go at the, the Dundalk fans with songs, you know, God Save the Queen or whatever it might be. My experience up there was that they could not have been nicer. I mean, everybody, to a man and a woman uh, at Windsor Park, were just so helpful, so into the whole thing um, I, I must say I enjoyed the game um, and I'd like to see the I'd like to see it flourish whether it will who knows I, I mean I, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of a crowd we have now on Monday night yeah and, and you're saying there about the songs like Dundalk look where they are geographically yeah. based in the yeah. country and they're playing against the Northern Irish team if there if people thought there was never going to be songs mm. sung like the way like the ones you talked about there mm. you're going to be living you, you, yeah. you're living under yeah. a rock you know there's yeah. there's that will always happen you know yeah. and um, but as long as it's peaceful and it's yeah. just a bit of yeah. banter um, more so than anything else well then that's yeah that, I mean the, the two sets of supporters were kept well apart there was the separate stand on the far side for the Dundalk fans it was really well marshalled and I didn't there was no trouble uh, mm. as I was leaving the ground the Dundalk buses were just starting to, to head off and I mean there was a big police presence as you'd see at any major sporting event um, but it ran smoothly yeah. um, and 
I think you know the, the second leg tomorrow night in, in Oriel Park is going to be an interesting one that one's uh, live on RTE so um, we'll see how it goes but uh, I, as I say it's something I would like to see flourish and you know I think 2014 was the last time the Satanta Cup was played um, so we've had a five year gap where there hasn't been north-south I know Cork played up there in, in Europe um, three years ago but but a north-south competition. So um, yeah, it's, look, it's a dip, it's a toe being dipped in the water in terms of, you know, the potential for... And that's it. And that's it. And that's why I suppose I've had my reservations about an All-Island League and I've I've said them um, on here. Um, and why not do this for a, for a while and see what the, the interest is like before we jump in, but two-footed into a into an All-Island League yeah. that mightn't work out. So, um, or that's rushed. So yeah. that so let's see how well, this goes. Well, the IFA have already <laughs> yeah, I that's mean, their statement kind of <laughs> exactly. um, put yeah. a bit of a spanner in the works. Although you know, it's by no means the end of the story. I don't think, but no. uh, it that certainly you know was a, a setback. I think for those who are trying to get it up and running quickly, you know, I don't think it's going to happen quickly. And um, we'll talk about those PFAI awards. I know you were there uh, last night, but first of all, Conan. Premier Division, Dundalk 86 points, 11 points clear of Shamrock Rovers. Bowes and Derry also into Europe next season. Pats, Waterford, Sligo, Cork third from bottom, Finharp survive and UCD go down. The headline there, I suppose, has to be Dundalk, five titles in six seasons and an 11-point winning margin, which might have been a bit bigger because they kind of took the foot off the pedal for the last couple of matches. Um, They go on and on. They do. Um, an incredible achievement, Con. We, we've, we've seen managers come... With, with, a lot of people have been saying, oh, it's Dundalk. With the players at that club, you should be going on and, and, and winning the league no matter who's in charge. And as a player, I completely disagree with those. You really? need to yeah. have... Um, you need to be professional in um, as a manager, be organised, have everything in, in the right way, diet, nutrition, structure... Of training sessions, um, otherwise players will mm. will take advantage. But would people not argue that, given the budget that they have, they basically have two players for every position? I mean, we saw up in, the, in Windsor Park the other night they made seven changes from the cup final team, and the players they were able to bring in as those seven changes, all top top players who get into almost any other team. So yeah, but the, are the, we comparing? No, I don't think so. Because as a manager, you have to look, make sure that the, that everyone is happy. Yeah. If you don't have a happy dressing room, you're not going to win the league. Yeah, and obviously, with two players for every position, brings, I suppose, trouble to Vinnie Perth in the sense that how do I keep them all happy? But obviously, he's done a magnificent job in keeping everyone happy and keeping everyone focused, determined, and keeping that will to win. And he's not. He said before that the characters in the dressing room have been fantastic for him in the sense that they kind of run the dressing room. The likes of Brian Gartland, Chris Shield, Gary Rogers and Jamie O'Gran and Sean, or- Sean Horward in here a couple of months back and they said the same thing. They said that it's the, the, the senior players are huge in the mm-hmm. Dundalk dressing room. So I think Dundalk are not given credit, some the credit that they deserve for, the, for their... Mm-hmm title winning season they only finished one point behind what they did last year I think think they would have beaten that if they didn't uh, win the league so early yeah. being totally honest yeah. Um, but yeah it's, it's the, a remarkable the other thing I was looking at was um, 18 goals conceded so it's like half a goal a game uh, when you consider that they were you know changing a bit at, in their back four I mean that's so stingy 23 clean sheets 
that's the rock yeah, right, in which yeah. the, the, the foundations, you know, the, on the, the, the and, league title was and, built. And that's it. There's another management strategy that, that Vinny has brought in that Stephen didn't, was the sense that the chopping and changing in the back five, unheard of really in this league mm. where, um, and any other team in the division, because you would have your usual back five and you'd always think, right, if you have a strong back five, keep them settled, they know, they can, they know each other, they're, they're solid mm. and um, that's your starting base but Finney has, has changed it up and like you don't know what two centre halves are, are going to be playing like it, it was usually Dan Cleary and um, Sean Hoare Sean Hoare and um, Dane Massey and, and Sean Gannon but like Brian Gartland could come in Andy Boyle could come in and Dean Jarvis could come in there were so many players Dummigan Dummigan yeah, there were so many players that could, could come in and they've added Greg Sloggett now already they've announced he's in for, for next season and what a great signing he is from Derry City I mean we had him in uh, as a guest uh, not so long ago and he's a he's a great guy as well um, the one thing I'm I mean you know the rumour mill starts to kick in now at this time of the year as the season finishes and I, I'm hearing about a couple of Dundalk players who might for example be heading towards St. Pat's because they'd have a relationship with Stephen O'Donnell I wonder could there be a bit of a drain might Stephen be able to talk a few disaffected is the wrong word but a few players who maybe haven't had this, as much game time start time as they would have liked that they might feel well if we go to Pat's under Stephen we'll, we'll be regular starters um, possibly well Stephen was a, is, a, is a huge leader in, in the dress, in, in the Dundalk dressing room and, pe- and a lot of the players every player looked up to him so they may feel as if they might um, want to see what it's like down in, in Inchicore um, add, add to the fact that I think that if Dundalk need to compete in Europe they need to look outside Ireland to get the players in to, to do that mm. um, and they might feel as if like you're saying there that they might try and follow Stevie we don't know whether Vinny is going to offer them in, in any new contracts and it could yeah. be a case that yeah. they they need to go yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. You know, so we don't know that. We're, we're, we're just speculating. Um, but I do think that if done, I think the way, I remember when John Caulfield was on the phone to us and he says their cup final win of 2016 spurred them on so much that they went on and dominated the league in 2017 yeah. winning the double. And Shamrock Rovers could easily do that next year so Dundalk need to go a, a, another level up if mm. they are going if I feel if they are going to um, retain their their crown and in order to do that they need to bring in fresh faces They their signings from haven't really worked out as well as they would have liked I think yeah. Sean Murray is an exceptional player and um, so is Jordan Flores um, but I think they might have thought they would have done, done better than what they did let's yeah. say yeah. Um, but they they might just Take a season like like maybe a bit like Joey O'Brien did. Took a while to get used to the mm. to, to the first season and then kick on um, next year. But they do really need to sign smart um, mm. in order to um, compete both in Europe and to keep Shamrock Rovers' distance from yeah. themselves. It'd be interesting to know for the clubs here what kind of contacts they have on the continent and in the UK and stuff. Because as you, as you say, I mean, when you look at the carabags of this world, who who are within. You know, Linfield showed they're they're within striking distance of the teams here. If if the right players were brought in, you know, you'd it'd be interesting to see if there is going to be any kind of an influx of players from from outside of the country to. I'm very surprised, Conor, because you've mentioned this before. I think uh, top clubs in this country should start investing in a European scout. Yeah, not an English scout or a 
British Scout or anything like that, but a European one mm. that will go to the, the, the so-called lower leagues in, in Europe and find some of these top players that yeah. can um, and bring them over to Ireland. We're on 52-week contracts here, the top teams. So there's no reason why they won't come mm. over and give an, an two, three-year contracts. Potential to play in Champions League, Europa League. Absolutely. Um, so why, yeah. like, why not? Yeah. You know, it, like, it just seems to, I would go to England and we'll take a, take a lad that's um, not really playing league and team. see what he's yeah. like. It's yeah. a massive chance. Whereas if you're playing, taking a player from a, from a top league in, in I'm, not, I'm saying a lower league, I'm talking about the likes of um, Holland or Belgium, yeah. Portugal, The second Greece, division in Spain, there are um, players playing for Tenerife, for example, who, I think wouldn't be earning huge money in in the Segunda in in Spain who have a chance to play Champions League put themselves in the shop window Champions League football Europa League football playing for the champions of 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 Ireland in the top division I, if anybody wants me to become their Tenerife uh, scout I'm putting my hand <laughs> up straight away <laughs> but but the point I I absolutely accept your point um and there are there are clubs for example in Belgium uh, in the second division, who'd be bringing over players from uh, Africa and stuff because of their their links with Africa down through the years, and a lot some some of these players are coming through um, academies which are based in Qatar, and you know Qatar have involvement with certain clubs and stuff, and they're placing the players with these clubs if they can get game time experience playing in a, a league over here for a top team. I think there's massive potential to be, and it's untapped. Yes, absolutely. Moment. Now with. Dundalk now I think that they really need to strengthen in in, in midfield mm. um, in the sense that we we saw Chris Shields missing out the cup final um, and I think he was a huge loss on the day Con. and if he's injured or suspended they need a person that can fit in there that is that plays that position mm. so I think that's one area that they will need to strengthen yeah. and yeah. I think that's that's a key area yeah, yeah. Um, from Bose and Derry's point of view, they've Europe to look forward to next season, and um, both of both um, Keith Long and uh, Declan Devine will look back at 2019 and say, "Job done, job done." Dave, like looking at Derry, they probably the, the the most improved team in terms of points from last year in the league. Um, they were on 42 points last year, finished third from bottom, and now have got European place, haven't finished on 57 yeah. points a remarkable yeah. achievement really and I think a lot of the credit has to go to to to, to Declan Devine I think um, he's done a remarkable job with his identi- um, identifying um, talent um, bringing out bringing the likes of D- David Parkhouse on, yeah. on loan yeah. Junior who finished he turned out to be a great great sign <laughs> golden boot absolutely superb yeah. bringing Greg Slockett up yeah. um, I know that they're going to be disappointed to lose him and even the young players and developing them into into really really top players. The likes of Owen Toll, yeah. um, he's I remember playing against him a couple of years ago, and the difference between what I saw then and what I see now is colossal, yeah. huge change. Yeah. And um, yeah, they've been absolutely superb. And we've given Bowles so much credit um, this season, and um, we're not going to stop now. I suppose I thought it, to, to to finish third, twelve points more than they did last last season the job that Keith and Trevor have done is is uh, has been superb he was nominated for for manager of the year last night at the PFAI awards um and i was listening to Derek Derek Pender and he was saying how nervous he was um in january last year when um Keith was making these signings 
because these players were coming back from England and I mentioned only a couple of minutes ago players coming back from England that that are playing in non-league and giving it a chance but Keith knows how to see it well look he, it's, it's written in so far that he knows how to bring players back and, and to um, to compete yeah, I suppose yeah. at the top level get the with, best out of them again yeah you know, Danny Van yeah. uh, young player of the year absolutely superb yeah. Really, really are we, good. And now, here's a question: Are we going with the Romanian pronunciation of his name? I mean, I have to know this if I'm doing commentary next season. Do I call him Danny? Do I call him Dano? Do I call him Mandru, as so many people have up until now, or do we go with the Romanian Mandrou? He said last night, it's "Danny Mandrou, Mandrou." Okay, well that's good enough for me. Yep. So that's from the okay. from the horse's mouth, the horse's as, they, mouth. as they say. So um, yeah, they were they were they were superb. And, but like we've we've gone from Dundalk to Bowes to Derry, and we skipped Shamrock Rovers. I know we talked about them and and, and um, for, the, for for the FAI Cup success. But in in terms of the league, they've done um, incredibly incredibly well. They've improved markedly. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have been calling. I put out a tweet after Cup final last week. A lot of people have. Um, were complaining about the lack of success that Stephen Bradley, Glenn Crown, and Steve McPhail had brought to the club. But at the same time, they have already shortened the gap on Dundalk. It was 25 points. It's now 13 points, I think, with the success that the FAI Cup has brought 11, this year. 11 points now. Oh, sorry, 11 points. That it's only going to kick mm. Shamrock Rovers on. And um, they'll need to be kind of smart yeah. in the transfer market too to, to compete next year again because Dundalk are definitely going to um, bring in bring in players and Shamrock Rovers will, will need to do that too. It shows you how important the next couple of months next three months probably are I mean I, I know obviously all our focus is on February and the start of the season again next season but the business that's done between now and then is probably going to be the difference between winning and losing a league you know so the, the next three months are going to be Massive. I mean, can they hang on to Jack Byrne? Will they hold on to him till you know the transfer window next January or, or you know the 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 summer transfer? Window? What? Um, they uh, that's going to be a massive. Thing I, well. I I said to you that Jack Byrne is going to go. I was in the tunnel at the end of the the cup final last Sunday, and I saw a a very very happy um player that is that. I felt just just by looking at and, and his and his body language and everything that he was very happy where he was. Mm. Now I could be wrong. I know if money talks and, and uh, if he gets offered a, a great contract across the water or, or beyond, that he he would take it. Mm. But reading the stories about him over the last couple of weeks with his mother and um, his sister, and the bond that he has with with Trevor Crowley, the bond that he has with his agent Graham Barrett, I think that um, that is very very strong. Mm. And um, I think he might go. I don't know. I, I just have this feel, little slight feeling that he might go again with Shamrock Rovers for another year. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's an awful lot to be said for happiness. Yeah. You know, peace. Oh, is, I mean, absolutely. mental health is such a big thing at the moment. And, you know, I presume he's been pretty well remunerated here. And if he's enjoying life, you know, enjoying his football, enjoying being around his family, enjoying being in Ireland enjoying being in the international squad yeah. um, you know there's a lot to be said for that as well so don't go Jack <laughs> <laughs> um, of the other teams Pats Waterford Sligo Cork okay the, the, the 
well, let's take Pats, Waterford and Sligo, the, sort of the three, I'd call them the three mid-table yeah. uh, teams. For Pats, obviously, it's a complete rebuild by the looks of it. A lot of players have left even in the last uh, couple of weeks. Yes, they, um, and like we were hearing news of, of no, new signings. I thought Jamie McClellan that's gone in from UCD is a great mm, signing, very, signing, very yeah. direct winger and he'll be a, he'll be an asset to, to St. Pat's. They've, they actually, like a lot of people were complaining about Pat's season under Harry Kenny and like they they finished two points above what they did last year and I feel that they, that they would have possibly got Europe if they hadn't have um, changed the manager mm. at that point in really, the season. Yeah, I really yeah. do. I'm not saying that... I'm not saying any disrespect to Stevie O'Donnell, but even if they wanted to, maybe if they wanted to change the manager at the end of the season, do it at the at the end of the season rather than they because I just think it unsettled them a little bit. Um, because Bowles and Derry's they only just got over the line in, in in the end. Well, I give you an interesting stat as well. Derry finished on 57 points, Pat's on 52, right? So there's five points between them. Derry scored 56 goals, Pat's scored 29 goals. There's your difference. There's, there's five points straight away. And and I mean, it was kind of glaring from pretty early on that goals were, were the problem for Pats this season. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where they will need to make a, a star signing. They need an, a, a player that will score them 15. I'm, I'm, I was going to say 15-20, but the top scorer only got 14 this year. Yeah. 15 goals next season. And that will be the, the, the job of that player that when he comes in that you have to get same Pats, fifteen goals, and if you get fifteen goals, I think that they would they will have a great chance of getting Europe, because I think with the squad that he's going to to build, the players that will want to play for him as well, Con, like you mentioned, um, I think that and and just his his we've all heard him talk, we've all heard his 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 drive, his leadership, and how much he's committed to to the cause mm. and to winning. That um, I can't see him um, struggling. Mm. I mean, um, if he could talk somebody like. Robbie Benson uh, to come down and, and play from at Pats. A player like that would be a huge influence. On yeah, Pats, like there's a, there's so many names that 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 you could think of that could yeah help St. Pats. And yeah, Robbie Robbie Benson's one. I don't know what his his future is. Um, I thought like it's like it's it just seems that everyone's talking about Robbie Benson to Pats, doesn't it? And mm. um, But we'll see over the, I suppose, over the next while where, where he goes. But obviously with the success that he's had and the experience that he's had, his, his, his intelligence, his, his manner, I think he'll be a, he'll be a huge asset to, to that dressing room. And um, yeah, I think they will, they will improve on, on their position next season. Waterford, um, mid-table, uh, conceded 53 goals. Uh, and that's really where their problem was because I mean they scored 46 which was okay um, 53 conceded those way higher than everybody other than Harps and, and UCD um, Six, so, yeah, 16 points worse off than last season as well yeah yeah. now they in fairness they lost a lot of really good players oh absolutely um, but at the start of the season I think they would have you would have you I mean, the, the European thing was the, the big European setback. thing. I think that we have to just, in. yeah, we just have to to, to park that because will we, will we reserve judgment on Waterford then. No, I think I think you have to. Yeah. I think you really do have to. They lost their their, their star player, Bastian Heary, um, yeah. to to Linfield, and um, you can't like you can't take so that's like taking Chris Shields out of Dundalk, yeah. and even it's players like Aaron Dryan who was scoring goals for them went back. You know, they lost him under twenty one international. Yeah, you know, yeah, quality. So it's a, it's, it's it's a huge it's a huge yeah. loss. Jack Byrne out of out of Shamrock Rovers. That's yeah. that's. Yeah. The type of player that Bastian Hurley was for Waterford, and that would be the, a similar loss to them. So it's, um, yeah, I think we have to reserve judgment on, on Waterford. 
for Liam Buckley, this is going to be uh, season number two at Sligo Rovers and he'll be looking in an upward direction going into the new campaign, I presume. Yes, absolutely. I, I think Liam is, knowing Liam, he'll be very busy in, in the transfer market already talking to talking to players and and making sure that like that people want to come to Sligo. So um, it's, it's always a difficult place to, to attract people. Um, if you have a, a family, for instance, are you going to move to Sligo yeah, and, and, and play your football? It's, um, and that'll be the, the, the challenge that Liam will face. Um, and Sligo have a habit of going across the water to Scotland and, and to England and bringing players over. And in fairness, reasonably su- successful. Um, but yes, Sligo will have... And, and, and I think if Sligo had a budget similar to what they used to have... Mm. Um, I think that they compete at the higher end of the table. The fact that they don't, um, I can see them um, finishing a mid-table next season. Okay. Um, Cork, we've spoken a lot about Cork over the last couple of weeks. They did announce that Keane Coleman is uh, coming back uh, for next season. Um, but just talking to a few people in Cork, um, just on the, the out, not within the club, but from the outside, um, they kind of feel that they're going to have a young squad next season. It's, it's going to be a tough old year, I think, for, for Cork. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Forty points worse off than last last season. It's a it's a huge drop off in 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 quality and confidence, and it's just yeah, big changes were needed at the club. And but bringing back King Coleman is is one of those mm. good steps that that Neil Fenn, that Neil Fenn will be making. Um, one of a number of big steps that I'm sure he'll be making. Um, and I just think again, similar to the Derry situation, to bring that that identity back. Um and to involve the fans in the in the club, and um make it a a place like the old cliche make it a fortress. But I th- really think Cork will need to do that next year. Um and again I can see them uh, competing for a European place. Okay. Uh, Harps have survived and that was job done for them in the end uh, UCD will talk about how they'll get on in the first division next season and Shells how do you think uh, obviously Carl Shepherd has been announced this week as uh, one of their uh, recent signings they've also re-signed a number of players from uh, the last campaign um, for Shells is it just about sort of surviving and consolidation I mean they wouldn't be looking at sort of threatening Europe or anything would they? Well with an ambitious manager in Neen Morris they certainly would Um I, he he mentioned in an interview recently that it's he doesn't want to talk about consolidation. He doesn't want to talk about staying up. He wants to. He's gone up into the Premier Division, and Shelburne are going to try and win games. And if they win games, you never know what might happen. I tipped Bohemians last year to be on the verges of relegation, yeah. John, and look where they ended up with the signings that they made because the signings I had never heard from Derek Bender had never heard of them. So that was the 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 I suppose I don't know the, the way I thought that it was going to end up. Who knows what Ian Morris has up his sleeve in terms of signings. I think he does need to make more, um, certainly from a defensive point of view, to bring in some um, strong um, centre-halves. Um, and also in midfield, they need to they need to make a few signings in order for them to compete where, where he's talking about, at the higher mm-hmm. end of the table. So, um, But it will be a very, very tough ask. There mm-hmm. is a huge gap between the First Division and Premier Division, I've said it before, and um, but with the likes of Carl Shepard coming in and the experience that he has, um, plus a lot more to, to add to that, I'm sure. Um, who knows? When we look at the First Division campaign in total, I mean, in the end, Shells won by nine points from Drogheda. Um, uh, Drogheda 
will probably go into next season as favourites to to go up. Tim Clancy uh, has, I think it's acknowledged, has done a very good job and they were a little bit unfortunate in the um, playoffs against uh, Finn Harps. But Longford, Cabinteely, all getting into those playoffs will all consider this a a good season. And Bray, just outside those playoff uh, places, Paul Keegan, I see, has signed uh, for another year and that's a significant signing for them. Gary is committed to another two years as well in the managerial role, which is good... um, continuation or consolidation for them um, so the battle in first division next season is going to be interesting but if you were to assess this campaign I mean from Shelburne's point of view they were the favourites with the bookmakers and they lived up to it in the end yeah it, but being favourites that brings that bit of pressure to, the, to mm. the club and I definitely felt that amongst the younger players coming towards the towards the, the, the business end of the season I suppose and um, look we we, we we came out on top and it was a fantastic um, season yeah. for, for the club. And you've got to remember Ian Morris as well. He's only in his, his first season. He's He had a lot to he, a lot to learn through, throughout the course of the season and he's still learning as, as he goes and he, he did, he'll openly admit that himself. But to do what he did in the sense of, of bringing the players in, because he brought them in. Everyone's saying, oh, Shells won the league because the players that they signed but he brought them in mm. and um, sometimes you might bring in the wrong type of player and it mightn't work out And but he brought in the right type of player that would get the club promoted and that's exactly what they did on his, on his first managerial role so that has to be um, applauded yeah. and um, I'd, but as I said I think they, they will need to chat to, to bring in more signings to to add to the to the Premier Division but they had like you, you have the likes of, of Drogheda, Longford and Cabin and who were um Really, really good. Had a really good seasons for that from from their own point of view. They probably would have saw like seen Shelburne as the, as the favourites themselves, and we were the favourites. Look, there's no doubt mm. about it. We were. Yeah. Um, but I think next year, you mentioned that Drada are going to be the favourites. I um, if if any team signs a Shane Duggan, the way Galway have announced mm. yesterday, I think that all like you have to put them as serious contenders, um, given his his history in in. In at first division level, yeah, and yeah. um, also the way the, his his just overall play bringing in yeah. Shane Duggan to, to that it was a, a huge coup for yeah. for Alan yeah. Murphy, and um, you'll nearly have to put them up up there with the likes of on Dr- the basis of that that one sign. That's, one that's sign. Well, like obviously that's just one. Yeah, that's just one signing. Yeah. But there will be more to yeah. come if it's yeah. just if Shane Duggan signing. There's yeah. going to be more. Um. Rob Manley, of course, 17 goals. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, uh, Jay's KB and Kieran Kilduff both scored 13 goals each as well. Jay's um, obviously made that move from uh, Cove and that's that, that worked out well for uh, Shells as well. Um, just in terms then of the both Premier and First Division, if you were to highlight the sort of moment of the season, is there one standout game or one standout moment where you thought this is huge? Well, you, you've asked me that question now, and the the thing that the the moment that came into my head, believe it or not, was Danny Mandrio's strike against Shamrock Rovers. That goal. Um, that goal. Um, because that's you, I I suppose you always do it off the off the book, isn't it? And um, you just it it was the one moment that I'm like, whoa, this player really stood up. Mm. Um, and it was a time that. Yeah, is he good? Is he is he that good? Is he very good? Is he what type of player is he? And then he does that, and it's just yeah, this fella is very very good. If he can, mm. like just the way he brought the ball um, across his body and just left fly, and um, 
yeah, I'd put that up there as one of the like, and it's only just a, a goal against, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a bit in a big but it, game. It but it made the ESPN, you know, sports moment of the week or whatever, which in America, which is and whoever I was on commentary duty that day did a very good job oh, as did well. All right, did all right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd, 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 yeah, is that the the moment? Um, it's funny that was one of the moments that was going through my head as well. Um, the, the, what would yours be apart from that one? Well, the cup final obviously is is the is the one that'll you know yeah, I'll, I'll take to my grave probably. Yeah. Um, I think generally though the just the the atmosphere at all the Shamrock Rovers Bowls matches this season it's take it it's gone to a new level I think mm. this season. Um, it's really special. And, you know, the fact that those games are all now sold out, people want to go, you know, and, and for me, th- that means a lot, you know, yeah. that they, that there's a huge demand for these tickets. I know, obviously, Daily Man can only accommodate a certain number of people, but the fact that you have people scrambling for tickets and, you know, anybody, you know, got any spares or... I love that. Yeah. But I love the actual atmosphere of those games. I know people might say, ah, oh, it's, it's a little bit, you know, I'm not sure if I'd bring a six-year-old to that game. Yeah. Um. And I can understand that, but it also, again, is just another great example of the passion that yeah. that and and I, I just I and I love seeing the kids in the colours. You know, the, at the cup final, um, the FAI did a, a, a nice video of the day, like a seventeen-minute video, and the uh, shots of the young kids in their black and white and in their green and white, and being so enthused by their local team. It's great That's see. what gets me. You know, yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that. So more of that, please. Michael Duffy's goal. I know they're both against Shamrock Rovers, but Michael ah, Duffy's brilliant. goal against Shamrock Rovers Absolutely as well. They have to yeah. mention that. And obviously, like it's all goals with me, but um, yeah, definitely Michael Duffy's because it was the basically the title yeah. title winning goal, yeah. wasn't it? So yeah. Um, the PFAI Awards last night. Um, Player of the Year, Jack Byrne. I saw people on Twitter this morning giving out about. Dublin media picking Jack Byrne, but it's not the Dublin media. It's the players who vote for this, right? Who? Okay, right. I'm just who <laughs> in who outside of Dublin? Like I know probably they're thinking about Michael Duffy and Sean um, Gunn. Well, Sean Gunn's from Dublin. I know he plays for Dundalk, but um, yeah, I, I look. Jack Byrne was head and shoulders above above everybody this season, Con. And um, I know a lot of people are complaining and, and saying that he's. Uh, he didn't perform in the big games, but the biggest game of all, he was he was outstanding in in it. Um, and I know a lot of people were saying, yeah, but he wasn't. What did they say? That Jack Byrne was he was good in the final, but he wasn't as good as what everyone said he was. Um, watch the video. Watch the watch the game. Watch yeah. his movement. Watch his, his he was, passing. His, yeah, he was excellent. He was excellent. And. Um, but I, what I know, I think with in terms of the winners of the players' awards, the the young player, the overseas player, the first division player, and the player, I think they're, as I said, they're voted by the players. The players know what they're talking about, and they got every single one of them correct. I'd argue, I, I, I Danny Mandreo, like oh, fabulous, fabulous player. For me, I, I actually mentioned it on the program last year. The one young player who stood out for me, and you you mentioned him earlier on in this one, Owen Toll. I think he is the business for Derry City. Every time I've seen him, he's been magnificent. And if Derry can hang on to him, they'll be doing very, very well. Absolutely. And 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 what I would and I complimented him earlier on. I thought he, he's very, very good. But when you are picking, when players are picking that, they don't really go for defenders. And that's mm. why I thought it was for to see Sean Gannon on that list was 
goes to show how good he, how yeah. impressive he was this season. You usually go for the yeah. attacking players. As we saw with Rob Manley getting yeah, the, I mean, Rob Manley's scoring record, 17 goals. I mean, that's fantastic. And, you know. Yeah, fully, fully deserved for that in, in terms of like he talks about this time last year, not one club came in for him and he had to get onto the PFAI to give him a, a dig out and then he ended up signing for Cabin Teeley and like Cabin Teeley, Kira Marty Waters won it in 2017, I think. Mm. And now Rob Manley has won Player of the Year yeah. in 2019. So yeah. they have two in the last three years, they've got Player of the Year. So it's, um, yeah, it's on my head down there, Con, try and pick up a, 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 a Player of the Year next year for myself. Well, you never know. <laughs> I could see you now supplying Rob Manley from that uh, right wing position. Actually, maybe we should go through the the, the award winners. Just the, the senior uh, Player of the Year, Jack Byrne, young player, Danny Mandreo. Uh, First Division Player of the Year, Rob Manley. The Irish Overseas Player of the Year, Enda Stevens, who has been brilliant for uh, Sheffield this season as well. Um, Women's Senior International Player of the Year, Denise O'Sullivan. Uh, the Premiership uh, Premier League uh, Manager of the Year, Vinnie Perth. First Division Manager of the Year, Tim Clancy. The Premier Referee, Michelle O'Neill. And the First Division Referee, Alan Patchell. Um, so Enda Stevens has been excellent. Denise O'Sullivan, Superb. legend. Yeah. Um, Premier Division Manager of the Year Vin- it had to be Vinnie Perth even though he hasn't got the, the pro licence I mean what a job he's done they could tomorrow night win their fourth piece of silverware this season and, and bar a, a great Alan Manis save in the last minute of extra time they could have been they could have swept the boards yeah absolutely we've mentioned Vinnie already and I think that yeah he's absolutely um, the the winner of the right winner of the, the Manager of the Year award 100% First Division Manager of the Year. A bit of controversy. Tim Clancy did a brilliant job with Drogheda. No question about that. But will Ian Morris be looking at that and saying, well, we won the league by nine points? Yeah, possibly. Um, you see, the, the thing about the, the managers is that they, they they vote on it themselves. So the managers vote. So they might have, I don't know, they might have suspected that uh, Tim, maybe with the budgets that had gone on that they to get to a playoff and um, be so close to promotion that... Um, it, he deserved it I don't know but as you say Ian Morris he won the league by 9 points in his first season in charge um, I mean one thing if the managers are voting for that would there be an element of if you had a bit of a, a row with another manager on the sideline over something during the season well I'm not voting for him it's no matter what job he did it's human isn't it I I don't know. I it'd be it's not the right. I'm not suggesting that Ian Morris yeah. has been involved in touchline rows with other managers through the the season, but I'm just wondering is it something that would bear? Yeah, but we haven't even mentioned Pat Devlin, who's who's yeah, he's he's the most improved in terms of points wise. They've improved their points by twenty this season compared to last year, and to bring in the likes of Rob Manley, yeah, um, who need to be who needs to be coached and managed in the right way, I think that he deserves a lot of credit as well. So the three of them, if three of them deserve. To be on the shortlist, yeah. But I'll leave it to the manager to decide who, who, uh, who should win it. And Tim, Tim, uh, Tim won it. Tim won it. Yep. Um, the premier, uh, the referee of the year. Now, I think this uh, Michelle O'Neill was in with us before the World Cup and gave us a great interview and had a tremendous World Cup yep. as a referee's assistant. Uh, she didn't referee one match in the Premier Division. I'm just asking the question how does she become referee of the year I don't know Con um, Who, I, I, do the players vote for this the players vote for it yeah players vote for it so um, I, I like I don't know I, I've is this now okay I, I, let me, let me the, ask you a question yeah okay is this a 
situation where the players have had, you know, a referee in games throughout the season. Referee A has given a bad decision against us. Referee B sent off my teammate. Referee C gave that offside goal that was clearly onside. Referee D did that. So I'm going to vote for somebody who didn't referee one of our matches. I don't know. I don't think so. And I'm not disrespecting Michelle O'Neill for a second. I mean, what she has achieved is absolutely mega. I mean, to do a World Cup final, incredible as a referee's assistant. But she didn't referee one match in the in the league. That's it. And I think maybe they, like, in future, they maybe should change it to official of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So that it kind of includes the the assistant referees as well because um, like she wasn't there at the at the awards last night. She was in, in Wembley doing a, the England Germany game, um, and yeah, I can I can I can understand why how a referee that refereed in the Premier Division all season mm. might be a bit disheartened of, about Michelle getting the award. Yeah, yeah, I'd be peeved. Hmm. You know, and again, I'm not knocking Michelle but at the fact that she was again working at Wembley last night, yeah. a big game. Uh, but somebody like as I said, it's a it's a player's vote, so um, the players must have must have voted. Did you vote for Michelle? I didn't because <laughs> I, no, because she's not a she's not, first of all, she's not in the in, in the, in the uh, first division. Well, she is sometimes in, uh, as a referee's assistant. Yeah, but yeah, so I could have voted for her because she was in she did referee um, or assistant referee of the games, but she wouldn't never come into my head even to put yeah, her name down yeah. because she hasn't refereed a game. So. Somebody, some some lads have obviously. Yeah, first division uh, referee of the year was Alan Patchell, uh, and that's a nice one for him to get in terms of his career progression. Yeah, I actually presented the award to to Alan last night, and um, Alan is one of the, again he's up and coming. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of retirements in the Premier Division, and I'd have seen no surprise to see him his name on the Premier Division list next year. He's yeah. he's he's excellent. He's He's one of those um, referees, Con, where you can just talk to him, and he he respects you. You respect, and before that, you respect him, and he's easy to talk to. Um, he doesn't just fob you mm. off, never curses at you, respects you, and then, and yeah, offer that respect back. So yeah. he, um, no, I th- I thought it was a a very very good. Um, Oh, oh, sorry, awarding winner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just before we go then, uh, obviously we had the situation over the last uh, wee while where Limerick were docked those 26 points um, because of uh, operating outside of their licence um, agreement and, and that means they would have finished bottom of the table in the uh, first division. Disappointing, obviously. Uh, yeah. That goes without saying. Lucky um, they didn't pick the 26 points up for next season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that would have been, and we have seen that situation in England in the past. Mm. Um, So, I mean, you know, obviously that's something we don't want to see going into 2020 and hopefully we won't see uh, much more of that. Um, But just one last thing then before we go for this season. um, When you reflect on 2019 and look ahead to 2020, Conan, do you reflect positively on 2019 from the league's point of view in as a whole and are you optimistic going into 2020 what would your honest assessment be yes I'm, i am um i could go on and 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 be be negative about the facilities the, the everything else but i'm not going to i'm not going to because at the end of the day clubs are doing their very their utmost best and the clubs are run by a lot of volunteers who go under the radar a lot and who work for the love of the game and the love of their club. 
And I think with the the football that has been played this year has been superb. I think the young players are being trusted a lot more by by managers. Managers are uh, young managers are being trusted to to do the to do the job by owners. I think the under 13, 15, 17 and 19 leagues have been a, a tremendous success so far. It enables players to get used to the style of play of the senior team and when they do make that step up, they're not out of place. I think we are on a, a, a starting to be on a, a slight upward trajectory. I always said we we're on a, a plateau. Um, in, but that's in terms of Europe and um, I think that next year I think will be more progress in terms of players that are, are in England are going to want to come back I think and play in our league with the likes of the, the, the number of players that are in the under 20 Stephen Kenny's under 21 squad Tom Mowen's under 19s um, and seeing the work seeing the, the job and getting to Sorry, getting to play in Europe as well, yeah, is is huge, and I'm, I really can't wait to see how Stevie O'Donnell gets on, Ian Morris gets on, how Ollie Horgan does, um, with Finn Harps, how the gap between Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk will it will it shorten, will it widen the transfers? So, I'm really optimistic about about 2020, um, both in Premier Division and First Division, and um. Yeah, I I wouldn't mm. see it as a as a not looking forward to it. Yeah, um, I can't wait. I must say, actually, just on the you mentioned Stephen Kenny there. Best of luck to the uh, women's international team who are in action in Greece on Tuesday. That game actually is going to be live on um, RTE, and also the Irish under twenty ones in action in Armenia. Um, Stephen Kenny's team is going. That match is going to be live on Airsport. I don't know if they've announced that, so maybe I shouldn't be saying that. I'm, I'm sure they have. Well, if they haven't announced, it, <laughs> there you go. It, it's going to be live on Airsport. So keeping an and it's an early kickoff in Armenia, actually. So just uh, make. Oh, a note is of the, that during uh, school time? time? By any chance? It is actually, yeah. Oh, it's it brilliant. Is, yeah. Throw so, it on. Yeah, Throw it the, on. The, the kids will have to watch and learn. Um, so, listen, thanks a million to everybody. I know uh, every week I say uh, give us a, a rating and a review if you can on, on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you have done in great numbers this season. So, to everybody who has uh, either got in touch with us by email or who's rated us and given us a review uh, online, thanks very, very much indeed. It really makes a big difference. And, um, to Al Dunn who was on production today Mel Brophy who's been producing all season Kieran Crowley for his work on the uh, show over the course of the season to all our guests as well Conan I mean we've had some smashing guests coming oh, into the studio Oh, we've, every Sunday morning I love getting up and coming in here and um, speaking about our, our great league it's been great Yeah, and yeah. you're not half bad yourself Ah, well listen you're not too bad yourself as well and and best of luck in season 2020 whoever it is you might be playing I know you have a couple of offers but we we won't say anything (laughs) at the moment but uh, we're looking forward to seeing who you're going to be playing for next season best of luck Conan and uh, to everybody thanks a million for listening in to Greatest League in the World in in such numbers this season we'll talk to you again uh, next February for now though from all of us bye bye